You are listening to the To and Out CFL Podcast, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. I thought maybe ball positions, and then I thought, yeah. uh, that sounds a little strange. That's true. <laughs> Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the To and Out CFL Podcast. Now they have to kick it out, and they do! Every week, Travis Curra. Does anybody still care about this podcast? And Brazilian Tide. Hunters are people, too. Talk fantasy football, bring you the latest in CFL news, and sprinkle in a little bit of nonsense. Are you kidding? This is unbelievable! Ready, set, hunt! And we are part of the Alberta Podcast Network, locally grown, community supported. It's Travis Curra. It is Brazilian tie. Tomorrow, the CFL Draft and John Hodge from Three Down Nation is joining the show. It'll just be me talking to him because Brazilian tie had a power outage that lasted just over three hours. <laughs> I had to read. <laughs> what did you read? Um called where nobody knows your name uh life in the minor leagues of baseball is what i'm on right now sounds like a good book actually yeah well uh charlie montoya is actually one of the people they focus on so that's kind of cool that is pretty cool now uh, the golf course opened up on officially on friday so i think you told me you were hoping to do 36 holes uh how are you feeling uh actually really good i got 27 Holes on Friday. Um, you know, the guys that are married with kids didn't want to be out too late, uh, considering that they were golfing again the next day. So <laughs> they only they they met me for that afternoon. They just did nine, and it was already like seven fifteen. So I said, okay, twenty seven's good. And I got home and couldn't walk. <laughs> My feet were so sore. And then uh, yet Saturday, I did another eighteen, and uh, Sunday eight or nine nine Sunday night. Man, you're already getting your money's worth for that membership. Hey, I only need to golf 22 rounds of 18. So I'll have one, two, I'll have three rounds in three days. Nice. <laughs> How's the course? Um, the greens are good. Uh, you know, the grass isn't bright green, yeah, but yeah. you don't want bright green grass because that doesn't mean it's healthy. It just means it's overwatered. Yeah. Yeah. And there's moose out there. Whoa! There is, is moose everywhere, and one. Do you remember Mister Flagel? Yes, I do. He was a uh, the C- computer CPT, guy. CCT, whatever. something to do with computers in high school. Yeah, yeah. Uh, him and Mister McWilliam, the uh, drama old teacher. Old yeah, and, and the French teacher, old Roly Chabot, were behind us. Green. We were on the second tee box, and we hear them yelling. <laughs> we figure so I thought somebody hit into them. Moose? Well, just just a cow moose running across the first fairway about fifty yards short of the green. But she had like her hind end was completely brown. And then from like her front shoulders up her neck was like white. Wow. With, like, brown with like brown splotches on it. Interesting. Yeah. Watch out for uh the calves. You might get yeah. uh Wander into well, a situation you don't if want. If I hit one, if I hit one in the bush, it's gone. I, I'm not going. <laughs> I know better than that. I don't know if we've ever said it on the podcast. I won the drama award in grade twelve, Mister Mac. Yeah, I, I had I got intramurals in seven and nine just for you, kicking you out of intramurals. <laughs> yeah, Ty was the referee. I was leading intramural <laughs> sports in suspensions and ejections. <laughs> 
<laughs> All that fun stuff. Just an upstanding student I was. Yeah, let's not get into that. <laughs> that that's for like show 1000 if we ever get there. We can tell the real story of high school. <laughs> this episode of Two and Out is brought to you by Inventures. Your front row seat to what's next. Register now for Inventures 2022, where you can learn, share, and be inspired by the startups, entrepreneurs, investors, and global thought leaders who are redefining the future. Inventures runs June 1st to 3rd in Calgary and online, featuring more than 150 sessions, over 250 speakers, international keynotes, expert panels, startup pitch events, networking opportunities, and more. Reserve your pass now at InventuresCanada.com. That's I N V E N T U R E S Canada.com. In the huddle with Karan Todd on the Two and Out podcast. And uh, joining the show to preview the 2022 CFL draft from 3downnation.com and probably the number one ranked. Beard in the CFL Media Scouting Bureau, John Hodge. How's it going, man? <laughs> I'm doing well, Trav. But I got to say, I, I, I'd be happy to play second fiddle to your beard, my friend. It's looking, <laughs> it's looking majestic. Yeah, it's uh, these days. I just let it go. There's <laughs> nothing to lose with it when it comes to that. <laughs> so there's lots to talk about. I, I do want to start uh, with the CBA negotiations going on right now. Um, it's no surprise. It seems that this stuff always comes down to the very last minute when it comes to the Canadian Football League. What's the tone that you're kind of getting from what you know coming out of those negotiations right now? I mean, I, I think the tone is is mostly positive. It's it's certainly more positive than it has been in past years. Yeah. Um, I I think both sides realize that at the end of the day, like we we can't afford to have a um, you know a, a, any type of alteration or delay to training camp. I mean, we need the league to have its first full functioning 18 game regular season since 2019. We need to get these players into camp and, and elevate uh, the level of play that we saw from last season. That's not to say last season was poor by any stretch of the imagination, but we didn't see maybe as many, you know, high flying electrifying big plays as we have in the past. And so, you know, they're, they're getting down to the nitty gritty, uh, I think starting to talk money, starting to talk, uh, you know, uh, th- starting to starting to think about, you know, the 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 numbers and getting into. I know that wasn't the, the focus at the start of of CBA negotiations. Um, they were talking about some other off field things, and they they weren't necessarily getting into the finances. But you know, one of the really positive things I think that's come out in the last little bit is is. You know, these because Genius Sports has come in and because the CFL now has revenue sharing, a lot of the numbers that the CFL worked to keep very secretive in years past are are now out much more Mm. in the open. And so when you have that transparency and you see how many dollars you're actually negotiating over, I think all of a sudden, um, you know, maybe the expectations are more reasonable for both sides, if that's fair to say. So I don't anticipate that we'll have any type of, of stoppage um, or at least not one that 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 affects training camp. But of course, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, we, we don't yet know what will take place and and uh, time 
will bear that out over the next couple of weeks. We had nine rule changes announced last week. Um, they didn't mention anything uh, regarding ratio adjustments. There's been sort of uh, rumblings regarding that. Is that a CBA thing they're discussing right now? Yes, uh, absolutely. They're discussing the ratio. Um, my understanding is uh, there is some discussion about changing the ratio to some extent. Um and and we'll see where that goes, but yeah, the the rule changes that were announced last week um, are fully irrespective of the ratio. Mm. Those are collectively bargained issues because of of course they do affect roster makeup and therefore jobs, right? And 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 how many jobs are available to national players? How many jobs are available to global players? How many jobs are available to American players? And and veteran Americans, because of course there is discussion about the potential. Of, of having a naturalized Canadian designation for Americans who have played in the CFL for a long time. So those issues are currently being discussed. But yes, we could see a change of, to the ratio of some kind, um, depending on how the CBA shakes out, because those are CBA issues. Those are not simply CFL rules committee issues. Well, I'd have to imagine that uh, teams would have rather these ratio adjustments, if they're going to happen, happen before the draft. <laughs> so would it happen this season or would it be something that would come into effect next year if it were to happen? Uh, this is pure speculation, but but my guess is it would not impact the 2022 season simply because of the timeline that you're kind yeah. of pointing to. If, if let's say all of a sudden CFL teams said, okay, you need to start three Canadians on both sides of the ball. Well, if, if you're a team that only starts you know, one, one Canadian player on defense, it's like, wait, you're, you're telling me I have to can two of my American starters and yeah. find two Canadians, you know, potentially off the street uh, to, to come and, and, and be starters for me like that, that timeline seems, seems ridiculous. So my, my guess, my speculation is that it will be something that, you know, is implemented. You know, hopefully we get a five-year agreement um, mm-hmm. and hopefully it's something like, okay, 2022 will be played, you know, regardless of any rule changes that are made and they will maybe be fully implemented by 2023 or 2024, kind of, kind of similar to the global program. That's what we saw yeah. in the 2019 CBA. It was one global for 19 and then it was two for 20 and 21. Now, of course, that ended, ended up getting changed because of COVID, but you know, that's, that's one example we've seen of a CBA uh, kind of stipulating uh, the rules kind of growing and changing over the course of the deal. And I, I hope that's what any potential ratio changes would, uh, would, would have as well. The NFL draft was just over the weekend and we had by my count, it looks like three Canadians drafted John Mechie in the second round by the Texans, Jesse Lucetta and Dean Leonard, both in the seventh uh, Cardinals and chargers respectively there. What are their uh, outlooks as far as their American careers go? Well, I think Mechie getting taken in, you know, the early part of the second round, I think that basically eliminates any possibility of him ever coming to the CFL. Um, You know, Chase Claypool was a mid-second round pick, and he went undrafted in his CFL draft simply because even with the flyer in the eighth round, you know, there's it's, it's essentially a wasted pick. Now, this year's draft, as as we'll talk about, is is not nearly as deep as Claypool's year was. So 
maybe somebody this year takes a seven or eighth round flyer on a John Mechie, but I think they would do it knowing full well that they're they're realistically never, ever going to see him. And I'll say this. I, I don't think Davis Mills is necessarily anybody's first choice uh, for who their quarterback would be. But, you know, Brandon <laughs> Cooks is an aging veteran there. And the Texans don't have anybody in that receiving core really outside of Brandon Cooks, so John Mechie's right. coming off an ACL, but I think he could potentially step into the starting starting lineup basically right away, and and that would be very exciting to have him making big plays potentially uh, for Houston. The the other two are very interesting. Dean Leonard was already drafted by the Ticats. He was in yeah. the 2021 CFL draft, so you know him him getting selected uh, in the seventh round by the Chargers doesn't change anything CFL wise. But the really interesting one is Jesse Lucchetta because he was projected as a third to fifth round pick. I personally had him in round four. He ended up getting taken with the seventh last selection in the entire draft, number 256 yeah. off the board. And all of a sudden, you know, to me, the where he was going to go in the draft was probably pick 19. That's the territorial selection. Or pardon me, pick 20. That's the territorial selection where Ottawa can take anybody from their territory mm. or region. And you go, okay, if it's a free pick anyways, why not take Jesse Lucetta, even if he's a mid-round NFL pick? But all of a sudden, if you're a team, you know, like let's say the the Argonauts who have an extra pick from the Nick Arbuckle trade, maybe maybe you want to beat the Red Blacks to the punch. And you say, look, this guy was the seventh last pick in the entire draft. We see it all the time that former NFL draft picks from round five, six, seven, what have you, end up in the CFL. Why don't we take Luketa and beat the Red Blacks to the punch? So obviously as as you know a Canadian football fan, I'm hoping that we see Jesse Luketa stick in the NFL, but his fall down the board I think could actually impact the CFL draft on Tuesday. There are uh, several other Canadians that have gotten mini camp invites, so it, it's nice to see. I feel like now more than ever Canadians seem to be getting more opportunities south of the border. Is, is that fair to say? It looks like there's some great talent coming out of Canada. Some of it indirectly. Maybe they spent some time, you know, uh, <laughs> here for three years or something. But we, we like to take uh, ownership of that anyway. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, you don't have to be born in Canada to be yeah. Canadian, right? Yeah. I mean, John Mechie. Uh, did spend all of his formative years really in Canada. Yeah. Like he, he was raised in Brampton. He was born in Taiwan. I think he moved when he was three. Um, and he did go to the States for some of his high schooling years. I can't remember off the top of my head how old he was, but I mean, the, you know, he, he spent 13 to 15 mm -hmm. years somewhere in there in Canada um, as a lot of these guys do, uh, which is great. Um, the three who signed as undrafted free agents, Jake Julian, Sage Docks, Tedder, and Luigi Villain are are we're all in the 2021 draft for the CFL, so yeah. they they will not impact the 2022 CFL draft. But you you talked about the mini camps. We've got all you sports players. We got Deontay Knight, who's got a couple of invites to Washington and Tampa Bay. We've got Tyrell Ford, uh, Pittsburgh, and the Jets, and then we've got Trey Ford with an invite to the Ravens. Um, I, I mean, we'll, we'll see if those guys sign or not. Obviously, your minicamp has to go well mm -hmm. if you're going to get signed. Uh, traditionally, minicamp invites have not have not changed a CFL draft position for players. If you sign as an undrafted free agent, that usually bumps you down one to two rounds. 
And if you get drafted, that usually bumps you down three to you know, five rounds, whatever, depending on where you were taken. But a mini camp usually doesn't affect it. That said, I mean, I'm not surprised at all to see Tyrell Ford get two mini camp invites. He ran a 4.39 at the CFL Combine. And if you're running less than a 4.4, 40-yard dash, you know, teams are going to want to look at you, especially because he's he's not petite either. He's he's not a huge DB, but he's six feet, 190. You know, it's not like he's five foot seven. Um, Deontay Knight, measurables were disappointing at the university at Buffalo pro day and at the combine. However, he's a big man, six foot four, two seventy five, And you would never know that he can only do 10 reps on the bench from the way that he plays. He's just, uh, he, he, he's a guy who is a lot stronger. Uh, it seems, uh, out of the weight room than in the weight room. I, I don't know how that makes sense, but yeah. he's got game strength that scouts talk about sometimes. And then Trey Ford, I mean, he he ran faster than every every quarterback at the NFL Combine. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, not a big body guy, six feet, about two hundred. But uh, I mean, heck, if you're playing quarterback and you can run a four four five, yeah, I an NFL team should be interested in taking a closer look at you. So, again, we'll have to wait and see if those guys get signed. Um, but it's certainly a a you know, it's it's a good thing I think for you sports football especially yeah. to have players getting these invitations. Um, and especially because that's something that was not happening during the pandemic. There are a number of players in the last couple of drafts. They didn't get signed as undrafted free agents down south, but they would have certainly had mini camp opportunities that weren't available to them due to travel restrictions and due to the pandemic. So I'm excited to have these back and uh, give some of our domestic athletes an opportunity to show what they can do south of the border. You did say that the 2022 draft class may not be the deepest class. Is there a position group that may be stronger than another? I think DB is is probably the deepest position overall. I, I don't think there's one DB who's who's obviously the top guy. I mean, when it when it comes to the measurables, it's it's Tyrell Ford out of Waterloo for sure. We talked about him a little bit already, um, but you know Ter- Terrell's film is not the strongest. I've, I've talked to a number of scouts who have said, look, like his, his film is average uh, at best, uh, but his measurables are great. So may, maybe then all he needs is some coaching. Maybe he needs some, a higher level of competition to get him a little bit more engaged. We'll see. Uh, on the complete reverse side, you've got Enoch McConzo out of Coastal Carolina. Uh, he is a heck of a football player on film. The issue is he will not run a 40-yard dash. It doesn't mm-hmm. seem for anybody. Uh, he is going pro. He announced that a while ago. Uh, he played at Cégep uh, de Vieux in Montreal at New Mexico Military Institute, finished uh, with the Coastal Carolina football team. Um, so so we'll see. I mean, he's he, he, he had some injury issues in 2019, uh, but when on the field, he's great. The question is, is he a safety or a weak side linebacker? He's he might not have the foot speed for safety, but he's a little small for linebacker, uh, but a ton of potential there. And he should be a, a good special teamer. Then you've got Adrian Green. I don't know anybody who was talking about Adrian Green before the combine, but he played out at St. Mary's in the AUS out at, at the Atlantic University Sports Conference. Not a place that develops a lot of Canadian football players, uh, but Adrian Green tested well, looked really good in the one-on-ones and is certainly a riser. So when you take those three um, and there's at least another five who I think we'll see get drafted, who could be good players at the CFL level. You're right. It's, it's not a strong class overall, but DB I think is the position 
with the most depth in this draft. So if you're a team that needs a DB, this is uh, this is a good year to have that need. I think one of the cool stories, cool wrinkles about this draft is there are two sets of twins. Now, I, I, I don't know if that's ever happened in CFL draft history. We've mentioned them a lot. Tyrell and Trey Ford from Waterloo. Also, Jalen and uh, Tyson Philpot from the UFC. Guess should talk about uh, Trey Ford first, the quarterback. Um, BC has, uh, right now, the Lions look like they're going to commit to going with the Canadian at quarterback in 2022. What are Trey's chances of being a starting quarterback in the Canadian Football League from your perspective? Well, the thing I, I've, you know, in talking to people, they, they've said, like, like Trey is not going to be a, a day one quarterback mm-hmm. in the CFL. And, that, and that's pretty typical for the draft. You're not looking to, to select players who are going to start for you day one like Trey is going to need probably two years in a pro offense to get settled get his bearings uh, but the good news is I mean from a physical standpoint you know if, if he was in the CFL he's probably the most athletic quarterback in the league from day one regardless of passport I mean he runs a four four five forty 40 yard dash um, unbelievable athlete um, he's going to be more athletic than a lot of the receivers he throws to my goodness Um <laughs> And the other good thing is Trey Ford is is just an impressive young man talking to him or, or talking to people who have interviewed him. You know, it's clear that Trey Ford is the type of person who is going to be successful, whether or not he's in football. Like if if he retired tomorrow, I don't know what he would do. It doesn't matter. He could but he could probably go to medical school. He could become a an amazing realtor. He could probably go mm-hmm. into computer science like like he is just an intelligent personable, hardworking young man uh, who's very impressive. So if he puts his his mind to it and puts in the work to become a professional quarterback, be it at the NFL level or the CFL level, I think there's a good chance he'll be successful because the talent's there. It's just a matter of developing those skills at the next level because obviously coming from youth sports to the CFL you know, no disrespect to youth sports. There's lots of great players in youth sports, but it is a different level right it's a different world Mm -hmm. we see we see that happen with the nfl and the ncaa every year there's a great ncaa quarterback who dominates college Mm -hmm. who goes to the nfl and goes i don't know what the hell i'm doing anymore and 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 flames out so uh, i think trey ford could be successful as a quarterback in the cfl it's just going to take a couple years yeah uh tyrell's in a similar boat he needs to to get some professional coaching um, and needs to, uh, I, I think, just needs some some technical development. And I think, honestly, just a higher level of competition because in youth sports, I think it's easy to get bored when you're the fastest, most, most athletic player yeah. on the field. Um, at the professional level, he's not just going to be able to rest on his, his, his raw athleticism and his speed. He's going to have to uh, uh, develop some more technique. He's going to get better at reading offenses and, I think he could be a really good player. And then the Phil Potts were kind of on the opposite side, honestly, coming out of the combine. They did not have impressive combines. Mm. But when you put on the film, they're always open. They're always generating separation with the dinos. And so, you know, I'm not sure they're both first round picks anymore, but these two sets of twins, uh, I don't see any way they're 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 any of them are on the board by round three. Uh, even by the midway point of round two, they'll likely all be gone. And there's even a chance that all four of them could go in the first round, honestly. Wow. Um, I really do think that uh, Jalen, I think, is 
is between the, the two Philpots, I think he's he's a little bit, uh, you know, maybe, you know, he played more slot. I think he's maybe a little bit more willing to get his nose dirty than Tyson, who's a little bit or at least he tested a very little bit more athletically. Uh, Tyson was the deep ball threat this past season. Jalen went and did a little more of the dirty work on the interior, but certainly for, and, and it, I, I can't remember a draft where we had two sets of twins. But yeah. the, the other thing that stands out is just how good they are. Like, like we could have yeah. all four go in the first 12 picks, which is, uh, which is pretty wild. And it's something that I don't think we'll ever see again. So uh, your mock draft that came out April 12th, you had the Philpot twins, both going to the BC lions. Um, I guess, do you have another mock coming out tomorrow before the actual draft, your final one? And do you see the Philpots going to the same team? I will, I think, (laughs) be doing doing a mock 3.0 that will come out likely uh, Tuesday, uh, not long before the draft. And if I do that mock, it's going to be for the sole purpose of trying to nail the first nine picks mm-hmm. in a row. I don't think anybody's ever nailed the first nine, but I know uh, about uh, 12. Uh, what year was it? It was the, uh, it was the Shamari Williams draft mm. uh, when the riders took a number one, Arash Madani, I think hit on seven of eight picks wow. and Justin dunk. My three down colleague did one. Uh, I think five, six years ago where he hit seven of nine. So my dream is to hit them all. <laughs> and then I can remind a rash and dunk about that every Forever. opportunity that I get. <laughs> exactly. The issue is it's really bloody hard. Um, and I've yet to come close to hitting that, that amount. Now, now the, the plus side is I think number one is a foregone conclusion with Tyrell Richards to the Edmonton Elks. So mm-hmm. we're already off to a good start. The last couple of years in particular with no travel, it's been tougher to nail the top pick because often teams will fly a guy in a day or two before the draft. And then all of a sudden, you know, the word, word spreads quickly. We didn't have that the last two years with COVID. So um, I, I still have right now, I've still got Ottawa taking Deontay Knight, the defensive tackle slash defensive end out of Western three BC lions. Right now I'm leaning away from J- from Jalen Philpot. I think there's a possibility. I'm not ruling it out, but I think there's a possibility. We see BC uh, take Deontay Knight, the, the defensive mm. lineman out of Western. If he's on the board, I think there's also a possibility we see them go offensive line and get some immediate help with somebody like Noah Zur from the university, pardon me, the university of Saskatchewan. And I think there's also a chance that uh, they reach into that quarterback uh, Canadian quarterback pool and grab Trey Ford at third overall. So I'm working to, uh, to finalize that, but BC, I, I think my list right now, depending on what happens at two with Ottawa would be night, Zer, Philpot, and Ford, and then we'll go. We'll go down the draft board as follows. Seems like offensive linemen aren't uh, getting as much love in the draft as maybe they used to. I looked at last year, and it was six offensive linemen taken in the first two rounds, and then I went back to 2018, and it was seven O linemen in the first round alone. Of course, I looked at the 2018 class, and I'm like, hey, that was a pretty good class when it came to uh, top-level offensive linemen. Is, uh, is that saying more about the way offensive linemen are developing right now, or is it just the quote unquote skill positions uh, getting improving when it comes to Canadians these days. 
One thing I'm, I'm really interested to see, because there has been chatter about the possibility of the CFL implementing a ratio, not just for Canadians in general, but for Canadians on the offensive and defensive sides of the mm, ball. And yeah, yeah, yeah. If the CFL were to go to, let's say, a three and three model, I do think that we're going to see offensive linemen start to fall down the boards and some of the... I'm not personally not a huge fan of the skill position moniker, but, you know, players who are at receiver running back um, and then certainly on the defensive side of the ball, linebackers and DBs jumping up because traditionally, right. Teams want to start three or four Canadian offensive linemen. Yeah. Uh, they want to start a receiver and already you're, you're already two thirds of the way to fulfilling the ratio before you play a slot back, before you play a running back, before you play a defensive lineman, a linebacker or a DB. Um, now, most teams will play a Canadian safety that already gets you to, to five or six, depending. Um, but the Canadian corner, which traditionally has mm-hmm. next to no value, I think could have substantially more value with that type of ratio. The Canadian linebacker, that's maybe you know, by some teams is just considered a special team or nothing else. All of a sudden, I think they, they start to jump up draft boards a little bit because teams will be looking to play, you know, weak side or middle linebackers who are Canadian uh, more so than we do now. Um, in terms of offensive linemen, at least for this year's draft, I just think it's, it's a middling class. And that's not to say that none of them are good players. Um, it's just not, you know, you referenced 2018. That was the uh, Dakota Shepley yeah. year. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Like, like Dakota, you know, granted he, he had some NFL interest and I think it signed as an undrafted free agent with the Seahawks. If I remember, or no, I think it was the jets, if I remember correctly, mm-hmm. and it was not important. Um, he was head and shoulders above, above everybody else. And this year, Zach, uh, uh, Zach Pelios out of Ottawa, I think probably has the highest ceiling, but he's not the best offensive lineman right now. Uh, mm. Cyril Hogan St. Don out of Laval has been rising, but there was also a string going back to the, the mid-2000s where whether you talk about Carl Lavoie, who was with Calgary, whether you talk about uh, Charles Viancourt, who was out in BC, uh, the guy they had in Edmonton, Danny Grew. Uh, they, they all they all were banged up, right? They they practice really hard at Laval. These guys are older mm-hmm. coming out. They've got wear and tear on their bodies. And so many of them retired young that it's been hard, hard, hard sledding for Laval offensive linemen. Now, uh, Hogan St. Don is not of that um, that background. I, I do think he's he's he moves well. And I do think that his mileage is not as as long as some of those previous offensive linemen, but there's been a bit of a, a stink on Laval offensive lineman uh, for a few years that that's kind of holding him back. Uh, Noah Zur, I think is, is the most pro ready out of USASC, but he doesn't have the highest ceiling. He's fully developed physically. Mm. He can't realistically add weight to his frame. Um, his feet, even at, at 305 pounds are a little bit slow. Um, and I, I don't think there's any way to fix that necessarily. He's, he's super lean. Like I saw Noah's are up close at the combine. He's six foot seven and wow, barely 300 yeah. pounds. Like he, he does not look like an offensive lineman. He looks like an NFL tight end. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's still not moving quite the quickest. Then you got Gregor McKellar out of St. FX, um, who, by the way, is a very accomplished uh, bagpiper, which is amazing. Cool. Also, also apparently a good fisherman. Um, he's, uh, he's an interesting one. Like, like if you, if you had five different teams, 
you know, I think, I think, you know, let's say the five different West division teams, they probably have these offensive linemen ranked in different orders. Uh, but none of them are guys who it's like, okay, we can't miss. This is, you know, suck Chung coming out, or this is Dakota mm-hmm. Shepley coming out. I don't see any, anybody who's going to come in and start day one. They all have upside, but they all have, uh, you know, what's, what would be the best word? They all have some warts or they all have maybe one limitation that uh, will put them down the board a bit. So, so we'll see. Per- personally, I love the CFL draft, but uh, even as someone who played offensive lineman many years ago, uh, I think it's nice if the draft isn't just the offensive yeah. line parade, uh, because frankly, that's <laughs> that's it's it's not doesn't make for a very sexy event when uh, you've got <laughs> a bunch of old linemen coming off the board. So this year, I do not think that it'll be old line heavy. And uh, I think that's probably a good thing, at least from an from an audience entertainment perspective. I got to find another word to use other than skill position, because I'm sure if I ran into an old lineman at the Grey Cup, they'd uh, they'd pancake me on my keister and say <laughs> <laughs> you know, that took some skills. <laughs> well, the, the word that I've heard, I, I've, I've thought about it, like, what should we call them? And then I've yeah. thought, I thought maybe ball positions. And then I thought yeah. uh, that sounds a little strange. That's true. <laughs> Yeah, we'll, we'll get the back to the drawing board on that one. Uh, any guys that you see making an impact as soon as this season? We saw the number one pick in 2020, and I, I realize when I look at the first round of that draft, it seemed like they uh, performed a little bit better as far as CFL goes than the 2021 class. But some of those guys seemed like they had more uh, – American opportunities, but Jordan Williams, the linebacker in uh, 2020, made an impact for the Lions right off the start. Uh, Are we going to be able to be seeing some of that happening this season? I think the the obvious answer would would be Tyrell Richards, who's, Mm. I believe, going first overall to the Edmonton Elks. Six foot four, 232 pounds. You know, he he played you know, kind of an edge rushing role at Syracuse, but I, I think he's also capable. He moves well enough that he could play Mike. He could play well in the linebacking core, but he also runs well enough. And I wouldn't put it past Chris Jones to plug him back at safety from time to time, or at least have yeah. him rotate there and, and do some interesting things. Um, his high school coach says he's also a very good kicker, which is kind wow. of funny to think about um, <laughs> as a very versatile young man. Um, and then on top of that, Richards, I mean, he, he's going to be a, a, a special team uh, dynamo, I think, from day one. He's going to play all four special teams units and I think stand out there. Uh, so Tyrell Richards, I think, would be the, the, the obvious answer. But I'll give you one more. And this one comes with a little bit of a caveat because you always at, at this position, you always need guys to get a little bit of of the benefit of the doubt. But that's Daniel out the running back out of Bryant's out of a boy is one of my top players in this draft. Uh, as I said, he's a running back. He did some really good things at Bryant. Uh, ironically, he's had the, the Bryant. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but Bryant has a freshman running back who he shared the backfield with this past year. Who's also Canadian. Uh, Bryant is in, is in New York. So mm, it's funny wow. that uh, they've got two Canadian running backs there who we'll be talking about in the draft uh, probably in about 2025. Uh, but anyways, Daniel tested really well at the combine. Uh, 5'10", 218. He's got legitimate pro size. And uh, the team I have him penciled into is the Argos, not just because he's from Toronto, but because 
you know, assuming that they start Andrew Harris in the backfield, they're going to need some depth at that position. And, you know, depending on what happens with Harris, he just turned 35, had some injury problems last year. Uh, I think there's a possibility we'll see Daniel get into the starting lineup at some point. Again, not week one, probably, but but as the season progresses, he could get more and more looks. And uh, I think he could be a a really strong player for the Argos or or whichever team drafts him. He just needs to get that opportunity to play as a running back because one of the <laughs> kind of unfortunate tales of the CFL draft is, you know, you have these amazing running backs coming out and GMs look at them and go, wow, that kid looks great. But, but can he play fullback? Because yeah. they, they they don't want Canadian running backs. They want Canadian fullbacks, um, which uh, which which is a probably a, a bigger conversation for a different day. But uh, if Daniel Adebayo can get an honest look, I think that he could make a genuine impact as a rookie in 2021 or 2022. This is probably uh, tougher than predicting the entire first round, but Luke Broder Jordan was the the final pick in the 08 draft. Sean Thomas Erlington drafted in the final round of the 2017 draft. Uh, one of them had a great CFL career. One of them is in the midst of a pretty good CFL career. Are there going to be any guys that you see uh, could be a late round steal in 2022? Okay, I'll, I'll highlight one. and. Okay. Your guess or any of your listeners' guests are as yeah. good as mine <laughs> exactly when yeah. it comes to this guy. Um, but if you want to talk about the offensive lineman out of Fresno State, uh, Mark David Benem, born in Montreal, uh, this is a guy who went to Fresno State as a freshman in 2018, dressed for one game, and then got a red shirt. Went back to school in 2019, didn't dress for any games. And then when the COVID pandemic hit, he decided to not rejoin the team. Didn't play in 2020, didn't play in 2021. So in four years of college, he dressed for a grand total, if you've been following the math, for one game. Um, (laughs) Moved back to Montreal, was working in social work, got a call. And when the CFL realized that he'd graduated, they said, well, why don't we put you in this year's draft? And that was about a month ago. Hmm. Um, So I've spoken with Mark David Benham. Um, he's very excited to to uh, have the opportunity to play professional football. He was dealing with a meniscus issue at Fresno State, and he said between that and the pandemic, he just wasn't feeling football anymore. But he's excited to be back. And uh, this guy is six foot five. When we spoke, he said he was three sixty five, but he was trying to get down to three fifty because that was his playing weight at Fresno mm, State. Yeah. So this is a guy who I mean, I mean, teams are not going to be busting down the door even in a even in a weaker draft year they're not gonna be busting down the door to draft a guy who's 365 pounds and hasn't played in two years and has only dressed for one game over the last four years um but but like there's a reason why this guy got recruited by fresno state Mm -hmm. um and obviously you cannot teach size six foot five 350 is tantalizing along the offensive line. And he's not going to be somebody who starts this year, but I'm very interested to see where he goes. He's certainly going to get picked at that size, at that frame, that NCAA pedigree. He's just going to come as a, I think a big old ball of clay, right? For somebody to, to develop somebody to maneuver. And, you know, again, I'm not saying he's going to be a great CFL player, but if he's really in it, right? If he's really deciding that football is what he wants to do, he wants to play in the CFL, you know, you give this guy a year or two, who knows? Maybe Mark David Benham 
could be a, a future all-star. It just all depends on, on how he's developed and how seriously a team uh, wants to develop him because the tools are there. Uh, he, he's just barely played mm-hmm. since, you know, he, he was in high school or say jet back in like 2017. Now I, I look at the big event that the NFL puts on for their draft and everything they do is a big flashy event. We know that. Um, is there any scenario where you see the CFL uh, trying to make the draft a bigger deal than it is? I mean, it, it, I think that potentially changing the ratio to some extent where, you know, I, I personally like the idea of a three and three or a four and three or mm-hmm. a three and four um, because that would disincentivize teams from just, you know, oh, it's round one. Okay, grab the best O-lineman. You yeah. know, that way we have our O-lineman. Then round two comes along. and Because when you look back, right, at a lot of the best skill players in the CFL, like Curly Gittens Jr. lit the CFL on fire last year. He was a third-round pick. Um, you know, Juwan Breskison was a second-round pick. Um, you know, uh, 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 Kean Schaefer-Baker in, in Saskatchewan was, I think, a fourth-round pick. Like, yeah. teams are often happy to wait and get their receiver later or get that running back later or get that, uh, that, that linebacker later. They're scared about missing that offensive lineman. And any way that you can, you can incentivize teams to go elsewhere, I think would be helpful. Um, and then you need to market the heck out of it because at the end of the day, I've heard, I've heard CFL fans say like, well, I've tried to get interested in the draft, but none of these kids do anything. And it's like, well, I, I fully appreciate where you're coming from, but first of all, that's true in the NFL draft, right? Like any draft. Yeah, ex- exactly. Or exactly. You make a great point. Any draft, any sport, right? There are, yeah. there are players who get taken in the first round, NBA, NHL, certainly MLB. I mean, MLB's draft is, <laughs> is insane, right? Like there, there are so many players who never do anything. Um, but I think the more that you can try to avoid pigeonholing, teams into starting players at certain positions, I think would help. Now, the other side is all marketing and we could probably have a very long conversation about ways in which the CFL could be marketed better. Um, And uh, so I think, I think that's, that's something that's beyond the control certainly of, of, of even the league necessarily to some extent with, with Mm. the way the television partner doesn't even want to televise the whole draft. Um, but, uh, I think if you can find a way to make this, the draft about quarterbacks, about receivers, um, or even corners, um, and, and edge rushers, right. And not make it about offensive linemen. Uh, I think that would, that would, that would certainly help make the event more palatable for, for, for casual fans. Tuesday's also the global draft. Thursday's the supplemental draft. I just like draft season because it means training camp and actual games are uh, around the corner. John Hodge of 3downnation.com. You can read all of his great content. And uh, what, your Twitter's at John D. Hodge. All the great, uh, are you still doing those CFL puzzles or, you know, retired player (laughs) puzzles? Because those have been fun too. (laughs) I did a lot of those. Yeah. uh, I, I, I've done those. I've done the uh, obscure CFL quarterbacks. Yeah. <laughs> I got to say, I, I picked some guys who I thought were so far out there. No one's going to get this guy. And yeah. without fail, CFL Twitter rose to the occasion. And then people would roast me. They'd be like, Tino Sinceri is not obscure. And I'd be like, what? <laughs> yes, he is. He's like the definition of obscure. You guys just 
you you're, you just you just know your stuff. But well, he was the most popular player in Saskatchewan. Uh, <laughs> for That's a fair uh, point, the backup quarterback is uh, you know raised on a pedestal in the province sometimes. So <laughs> that is true. Yeah. Uh, I just I just brought up his numbers here. He threw six touchdown passes at the CFL. So I mean. Six like to me that, that means you're yeah. an obscure player, but you're right. I, I should have known better because you're right. The backup quarterback in Saskatchewan is always ultra popular unless yeah. they come off the bench and stink. Yeah. Because then the most popular player in town is the third string quarterback, <laughs> and you and you go down the list. John, uh, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me for uh, the CFL draft again, and I'm sure we'll talk to you next year at this time. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, Travis. Appreciate the time. Thanks again to John Hodge for coming on to uh, discuss the CFL draft happening this week. I'm Travis Curra. Brazilian tie is here. This episode of Two and Out brought to you by the Well Endowed Podcast by the Edmonton Community Foundation, hosted by Andrew Paul and Elizabeth Bonkink. It's produced by Lisa Pruden. It explores the impact of passionate people who are working to make Edmonton a strong, vibrant city to live in. The Edmonton Community Foundation helps people create endowment funds, and the podcast tells the stories of how those endowments intersect with the community. You can subscribe to the Well Endowed Podcast at thewellendowedpodcast.com. Brazilian Ty, thanks for joining the party. Uh, Anytime that (laughs) I have power and internet. Uh, enjoy, have fun breaking down the CFL draft or watching and seeing which Canadians are going to be joining your CFL team this week. I talked about it a lot with John, but there are two sets of twins in this draft class. I don't with know if that's yeah, Tyrell, Trey Ford. I like that. Jalen and uh, Tyson Philpot. I don't know if we'll ever see that again. I think that's awesome. No, uh, like, I mean, my great-grandmother had 16 kids and only one set of twins. Like, that's basically, like, two whole rounds of the draft, right? How many years did she spend pregnant? So what, about... I think those 16 kids were, like, in 20 years. Wow. Dutch Catholic. <laughs> you've, all, you've, all seen, you've all seen the meaning of life at this point. You get it. We don't need to talk about it. <laughs> so, Ty, you're heading back to the course or what? Yeah, now that I can shower, now that my my bathroom isn't pitch black. (laughs) Enjoy the course, buddy. Watch out for the moose. You can rate, review, and subscribe to 2 and Out on your favorite podcatcher. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.